Hey everyone, I'm Abe and this is 20. Today I'm chatting with Nat from Denver, Colorado. And in 20 questions, we're going from how was your Tuesday to questions of basic identity and purpose. Hey Nat, how's it going today? Hello, I am doing okay. Sweet. <laughs> we have just around 30 minutes to cover all 20 questions, so I'd like to begin. All right, sounds good. I start off every podcast episode with this question. How would your friends describe you? Rad. <laughs> rad. I just, that, that's what I, I just got that comment. Um, raddest of the rad actually the other day, uh, while I was at work and, um, Matt, you are the raddest of the rad and you brighten our day and you make this place better. Mm. And I said, I'm okay with all of those things. <laughs> so. Well, I would agree with that. The first time I met you, we were uh, we went to a dinner party and then we chatted in my car for like an hour. And we're, I was like, I went home and I was like, this is the best night of my life. I met Nat and she's so awesome. So I would agree with that. And this strange man picked me up from my house and I just jumped in his car because yes. 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 Has there been any times in your life that you just said yes and you were, you know, really impacted by that? Oh, absolutely. I, um... I I bought a ticket to, to Costa Rica and I didn't tell my family and I said yes like yes I want to go because when I think about it I cry and and then I went and and that story is one of the best stories I've lived so far in terms of it changed everything you know buying a ticket saying yes to it getting there without a plan and and not knowing what's going to happen um, is kind of that idealist, uh, excitement and whatever inside of me of like, yes. Okay. Let's go. You want to go? So yeah, absolutely. Like, um, life-changing to say something like that. Yeah. What, what changed? You said everything changed. What changed? I, I had studied abroad there before and I, and when I find a country and find a new country that I fall in love with or anything, you know, you have experience in a place, you come to know the culture, you come to know the people. If you choose that and if you choose to kind of, uh, um, live, you know, live life beside and, and learn from it. And, uh, studying abroad there years before was, oh, you're in a university and you kind of, you know, do the day in and day out and it's more structured and whatever. And, and I guess saying yes to this experience was a, a life changing of like, oh, I know that I love this place, but I don't really know this place that I want to know it. And so now that relationship with um, not only that country, but these different specific areas, like it changed everything. It changed my mindset. It changed my, it can't change my previous experience, but it can grow this new love and this new relationship, um, with this, with this place, this language, the people, you know, things like that, where, um, when you're living and you're living like in it, instead of in a structured environment, um, everything changes within myself, um, becoming more adaptable, um, learning, uh, the Spanish street language, you know, things like that. That's like, you can't learn that in a classroom. And, uh, so yeah, everything changed in terms of Costa Rica changed to me. Like, um, stories were different. My view was different. Um, I got to see the effect of kind of a gentrification of, of sorts of people coming in, you know, just everything, um, that I didn't experience the first time, um, that I, I allowed myself to experience the second time it, it changed everything for me 
in terms of international experience. How did you come home different different um, yeah. after that Costa Rica trip? I I came home. I wasn't going to come home. Um, I came <laughs> home with uh, what they thought was. <laughs> I came home different because I came home with what they thought was meningitis or Rocky Mountain tick fever or some sort of weird exotic rare disease. Um, so I uh, I came home with you know blood vessels bursting all over my body and extreme headaches and um, I'd had lice multiple times and scabies and then. TB and all of these different things. Um, so I came home with, <laughs> with a sickness, um, and through that, um, ended up in the hospital for a while, um, living in my car. And so I came home with, with a, with no health insurance and a huge medical bill. And, um, I came back to a life of, uh, confusion and not really sure what the next step was, not really sure um, what was going to happen to me. Um, And here I had this refreshing new perspective on life and new love for this beautiful place that I had fallen in love with years before and excitement and and ready to be back and coming back with just this like, oh my gosh, doesn't everyone want to go? Like everyone go with me. Like, let's go there to this place where all these kids are and these people that are living in homes the size of our closets, you know, and like, let's go love on them and just be. And, and then, you know, when, when some sort of like weird sickness takes over your body and people are going, she's been out of the country, quarantine her. And I'm like, ma, then that perspective can easily try to be beat down by society and like, or by myself and going like, oh, I'm dirty. Oh, something's wrong. I don't need to go back to that place. That's scary. And um, and so it kind of tried to twist this new change that had happened to me in this new version of Costa Rica that I fell in love with. And so um, I had to come back and fight. And I had to come back and fight to keep that story alive and to keep it beautiful. And I was actually thinking about that when you were telling me the story, because when I asked you when was the time you said yes, you automatically went to the Costa Rica experience. And if it was me, I would have like wanted to, to delete that experience given how you returned. Yeah. Um, how did you fight to keep it alive? And how do you still talk about it with so much joy given what you experienced afterwards? If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. I, <laughs> I, um, well, I paid my, so the goal was like afterwards I had about 30 to $40,000 in medical like bills and debt. And so I still wanted to be there. Like there wasn't this, um, and I was in a really serious relationship at the time and he was not, he did not have a global mindset and and, and that I don't mean that in a negative way. Like that's just not in his DNA. It's not how he's, he's made. And so he's kind of like, well, I want to do life here, you know, and like we're pursuing each other here and like you just took off. And so um, I'm trying to fight to keep it alive. And even in this relationship that is was important to me that I was pursuing to keep for, forever. And so kind of fighting that, I just felt like I was, um, I'm visually right now, I'm just pounding my fists together. Um, but like, you know, just bashing each other's heads together of like, I want you to fall in love with this and be in love with this or not. And I was young. And so now I've learned, um, 
oh, you fight for something you love, but you like also invite people to do life with you and and invite them along, but realize they're not the same and they don't have the same story. So how do you take two strangers and teach them how to do life together? Um, But at the time I still was like, I believe in the one person and I believe that I can change you and make you love this because if if I love it, you must love it. And that wasn't the reality. And I, at 24, 25, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So it was a a battle of not letting go and um, not believing like, well, look what this place did to you. And now you have all this debt. So like, you're never going to go back. And so my goal was, no, I do what I want. Um, so I'm going to leave this person who doesn't love it because I'm young. And I think he, he should, there's the word like should, should love it. Um, and I'm going to move home and I'm going to work this like seven, $8 an hour uh, cafe job so that I can save enough money to pay for all, all my medical bills and go back and do that, do life there full time. And even at my job, I worked at a Panera. It said, uh, my name is Natalie and my passion is Costa Rica. And <laughs> I loved it because I made a lot of friends that way. And everyone else said, my passion is music. And I was like, boring. But uh, I love it because then people would ask and they'd say, oh, Costa Rica, why? And this isn't like a really small suburby town where everyone's like, wait why doesn't it say my passion is America? And so it was, um, it was even a battle there to, um, and it was, but it was still worth it where it was like, I had this girl from high school come in. I will never forget it. (laughs) Come in, look at me, take me aside and say to me, wow, Nat, you're working here. I really thought you're going to do more with your life. Hmm. And I remember that, like not only like ego stab, but also like I am fighting every day for this passion. Like you don't know that I was living in my car and my mom physically came and found me and took me home. And I took this job because I want to pay off my bills because I want to go back to this place that if you allowed yourself to experience, it would change you. Mm-hmm. But that hurts me because that's my passion and you just stepped all over it. Um and I was so deeply hurt. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, it was just constant. That was the goal though. I mean, I feel like it was like the one time in my life where I had a goal, like I set a goal and I moved back to Florida because this man said, you're my home. I want to marry you. And I said, okay, I'll go. And so I took off and I moved back to Florida and got there and, um, uh, started working at, um, well, anyways, it doesn't matter. So I still had all this debt and that relationship ended. And then I started working at a, um, hospital foundation. It was a temp job and I still had a little bit of the debt left. Like I, at one point I was working four jobs, um, so that I could do young life and hang out with kids when I wanted. And so that I could pay rent and eat food, but also so that I could pay off these bills. And I went, uh, to this temp job and it ended up being this foundation at the hospital where I stayed when I'd come back to the States and had been sick and whatever after Costa Rica, long story short, I work at this foundation who finds out my story. I tell them I looked like a zombie and all my blood vessels were burst and they didn't know what to do with me. And they stuck needles in my back. And I was like, I just want to be in Costa Rica. And they said, we want to pay off the rest of your medical bills. Cause we want you to go. Holy moly. And so it was another, like, I have fought and fought and fought, and I have worked hours where I had no hour, and any day I had no days off. Oh, my gosh, I'm driving a dry cleaning van, and my dad's asking, 
what are you doing with your life? And what am I supposed to tell people when they ask what my daughter does? And I have fought so that I can go and be back in that place because I love it. Mm. And it's not a tourist attraction to me and going to the coast and surfing. It is more um, because it's got fresh mango, but because it has people that are beautiful and, and it's, and it's hard and it's good. And it's, all of the things that life are wrapped into one. And it, it's the first time I saw a representation of what I feel like full joy is, is like, and I wanted more. And, uh, anyways, I, I paid off all of that and I paid out all the debt and, and my roommate looked at me and said, it's time. Like you get to go back, you can go. And I never have. Mm. Um, and I don't think that that dream has died. Obviously now I'm like, it's not dead. Um, it just hasn't been the time. Like it hasn't been the the moment, the whatever. And it, it has brought life to me because it has been a part of my life and it has been fought for. Um, and I have a cousin that lives there now and she runs a restaurant in the jungle. And two weeks ago she emailed me, you know, I said, or I emailed her and said, could I come visit? And she's like, oh my gosh, anytime. And I'm like, I need to make that a priority. I need to take it off the back burner, put it in the front and say, I'm going to save for this. And as much as my like, let's go tomorrow mode is, it's like, no, I want this to be a goal that I'm working towards. Like the paying off the medical bills were, it was a goal. Like, and it felt like so much that it was the reality of I'm never in my lifetime going to be able to pay off this bill. Sure. And I don't have that bill. <laughs> so, and that bill cheers also can't control me, you know? Yeah, cheers to you. Cheers to that. After you came back from Costa Rica, um, you mentioned you were, you got really sick and you were living in your car. What was that like? And how did you, um, why were you living in your car? Yeah, I, um, I had, well, no, I, I lived in my car because I'm, I'm, I'm indignant about asking for help. And I felt like I didn't know anyone. I kind of played this victim role of, I, I don't really know anybody here. Um, I don't really know where to go. Um, I don't know where to live. I don't have any money. I don't want to move in with my boyfriend's parents. I don't want my boyfriend to know I'm living in my car because I'm way too ashamed. Um, I can't stay with him anyways, because we both did young life and you can't, you know, stay at a guy's house. So it was like a rule. So I didn't want to like push that on anyone, um, and for them to get in trouble. Um, so I, I did it to myself. Like I hadn't had a paying job in over nine months. Um, I moved to Florida that, that time on a whim of, oh, I want to date this guy. And he said I could move here. And, um, so I was living in my car because I, I, I thought I had no one and that's not true. Um, and I think a lot of times, many of the times, and, and I've lived in my car a couple of times, it has come down to me being so ashamed of the choices that I've made or the situation I'm in that I'm just too stubborn to ask for help. Um, because I don't want a handout and I want to be like, no, I worked for this and I can, I can find a place and I can do this on my own. And I'm, I think 24, 25, I, I am 
good. And my family doesn't need to know. And, and, and the reality is, is that I have a really loving family who obviously my mother found out and showed up in Florida and like took my ass home. <laughs> was like, are you kidding me? Um, it was hard. It's really hot in Florida. Um, I was sleeping in a Publix parking lot, the grocery store. I was like, what's safe? Publix is safe. People love Publix. It's the neighborhood grocer. Um, and I still have that car. And so it holds so many memories and so many stories. Um, but it really comes down to the fact that I didn't have any money. I went to Costa Rica with $300 to my name and I came back with, well, when my mom came to get me, I had $22. Um, and I'm sorry, when I went to Costa Rica, I had like 80 cause I spent like the two twenty or something on, uh, on my flight. And so it, it was the reality of, um, I'm also ashamed to tell someone that I have no food and no, you know, and so it was a lot of like searching and hunting for food and figuring out, um, hunting that sounded really intense. I wasn't hunting, um, I was hunting in the, in the, in the jungles of Florida. Um, but, but really like dumpster diving for food and then sure. l- learning what food banks were and learning that some food banks give out bacon, which was really cool. Um, I didn't know where to cook it, but I was like, Oh yeah. And, uh, that's kind of how I found the Potter's house, which was like a church in Florida. Um, and they did a food bank and I ended up getting connected with them through young life, like almost a year and a half, two years later, which was crazy. And to go, Oh, I stood in line at your food bank and you don't know me, but you fed me. And you would never know that if you were standing here looking at me right now, but you gave me food when I needed it. And I was choosing to not ask for help. I was choosing not to tell those people at the food bank. I'm living in my car down the street. Um, yeah, because I was, I was just so ashamed and I wanted so badly to not be back in the U S and there were just things that they didn't go my way. And so I was frustrated. And so kind of like, if you think about a two year old having a huge, you know, fit laying in their, like, I almost said bullpen laying in their, uh, whatever that's called. Ball ball pin. (laughs) Yeah. They're just in a ball pit and they're just, well, okay. A child's like in a ball pit and he can't get back up and the balls are just like, falling all over him and he's struggling and he's trying to pull himself out and you know, he could just stand straight up, but instead it's like, no, I'm drowning in this. Like I felt like that where I was like, I'm drowning in all of this that's happening, but I'm also not choosing to just fucking stand up. Mm. Like, and sometimes that means when standing up, like standing up means asking for help and saying, I don't got this. That is incorrect grammar, but I love it. Like, I love it. I just, I don't. Sure. Okay. <laughs> have have you um gotten better at that as are or are you still um really resistant to asking for help? I am still very resistant to asking for help. So, I um I I I don't want to say that I'm still I'm not where I was. You know, I don't want to say I'm just as bad. Like I don't like the word just either as much as I don't like should. So, I'm like, okay, I have grown and there are sweet little moments where I can humble myself enough and say, please help me. Um, but I have experienced that within the last couple, I would say a couple of years, I would say that really started to begin when I lived back in Florida and, um, the, these people that surrounded me and loved on me, like started to kind of make me do that. 
Um, and then when I left that community and broke off, I kind of got like, I'm independent. And then I moved to Denver and then it was like, oh, people want me. Like they want me to ask them, like to tell them that I need help. They want me to ask and say, will you please help me? And in the last few months, even of like kind of hopping around and living different places and um, being on crutches a few weeks ago and having to move that week and having to call my friend John and, and Sarah and say, I need you to help me was really, really difficult for me. And I didn't realize that it was still a problem and that it was still very difficult, but it is. And why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's hard for you to ask help for help? It is hard because I have my entire life believed that my story is too much. I'm too much. I've pulled myself out before I've pulled myself from the bottom and I've done that by myself in many ways. And so I'm a fighter. I don't want to be seen as weak and, and unable to do it because I've had to do it many times alone. And you don't want to get in the middle of this cause it's a lot and it's too much. So, uh, so I, um, I think it, it really stems from a lot of those experiences and saying, I, I got this. Like, I, I'm good. I don't need your help. I'm too much. Like, don't, don't, don't try to help me. Don't try to do, 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 do whatever. Like, it's a lot, you know, this is a lot. And, and I don't feel even qualified anyways to like, you know, even step into your world or whatever, let alone let you know that I kind of need help with this. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's a battle. It's like a pull back and forth constantly. And it, and it, it really does stem from those seasons and those experiences of, I have to do this and I have to fight for me right now. Cause I don't have anyone to, so I'm going to just do that. And, and, and I don't want anyone to help me because no one's going to get it. No one understands. No one's going to get it. I'm alone. I'm alone in this. And, and it's just a lot, it's too much for anyone. And I would never, I don't want to put that on anybody. Sure. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you were, um, sharing before about I'm in the season of your life, uh, when you were living in your car and, um, you moved to Florida, you thinking that there was a, the one person for you. Do you still think that, or do you think that there are multiple people for you? I don't believe in the one in terms of, if we're talking about partnership person that you marry, um, I believe that we choose to love and we choose someone to do life with. I don't think that there's this like, oh, well, he's the one. I think it's, I'm going to choose if you also want to. And we might, you know, battle it out multiple times. Um, but I'm willing to do that to do life with you. I'm willing to choose that and to choose love and to choose you. Um, because I, I want to, like, I want to intertwine my story with yours. I want to weave something that could be really beautiful. Mm. So let's create that. Um, and let's say it's worth that. Mm. Um, instead of fixating on the idea, I feel like that for me, society has kind of put into my brain of like, there's the one. And um, you have to be with them. Yeah, I know. Right. This is the person and do it and procreate. ASAP. Sure. Um, sure. And I'm like, no, you're pushing me away and I'm going to go, no, hide, 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 weird, 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 weird. So I'm going to, sure. I'm going to teenage angst the shit out of that idea. So don't say that to me. 
because I will Daria so fast. And so, yeah, I mean, it is learning. That is, I think that is growing and maturity and just experience of relationship after relationship of connecting and emotionally connecting to go, I don't have time for it. I can't be bothered. But if you want to join in and let me join in too, like that could be fucking great. Mm. But I don't want to fixate. (laughs) Yep. And very powerful because it's, it's freeing and it's not a necessity. Like you, like you said, you're choosing to do it. My 10th question is what do you choose every day? Every day I choose joy. Mm. What my 11th question, what brings you joy? I'm like all the things, but, but no, that's not true. But I love saying that. I'm like all the things do joy. Like I, I receive so much joy when I put people at a table and they connect with one another and they have all different kinds of opinions and backgrounds and all of these things and that they sit and they connect and I get to take my introverted step back and from the corner, the wallflower corner, with all the death cab songs going on in my brain, watch it and go, this is beautiful. This is life. This is joy at its finest. One thing I love about you is your passion for people. It's really, really inspiring. Um, what if you were, you talked about being a wallflower, what color wallpaper would you be if uh, if you're if you were to paint your entire living room a non-neutral color, what would what color would you pick? I would definitely be orange. Not just because orange is my favorite color, but orange is so vibrant and so beautiful, and there's just something like citrusy and magical, and like it evokes like joy, and it also evokes like every sense, like my sensory is like overload. I'm like, Ooh, it's beautiful. Um, because it's orange, there's orange in the sky. You know, people sing songs about orange colored skies. Like it is, there's something that's warm. Yes. It creates a warmth. And I think it can create a warmth without being too like, if it, unless it's neon without it being too like, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> so we have around four minutes left and I have seven questions left. So we're going to okay. do a quick speed round. Okay. Um, what, What's the mental image? No, no worries. Don't apologize at all. What's the mental, what's a mental image that makes you laugh every single time? Or you think about it? When I think about uh, The Rock singing that song, You're Welcome from Moana and Lin-Manuel Miranda like hopping around and directing him and like this just giant man like singing the song for a cartoon, it literally makes me giggle like a schoolgirl. Mm. What's your favorite um, Disney princess? Oh, who is it? Who oh, is? Hey, princess? No. Or prince or character. <laughs> uh, my favorite Disney character of all time is Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. Ooh, Why? She is like the most ridiculous villain. Like she's scary beyond all reason. But the reality is that she's not that scary. She just has terrible crow's feet. And she always like her and Kronk's relationship is so witty and so perfectly like developed. I think that she's like that bad guy that's not scary. That bad guy that just kind of because of Kronk or because of her ways, like just kind of keeps messing everything up. And so there's like joy in it instead of fear. 
Mm. And she turns into a cat. I mean, there's just so many things where you're just like, Yzma just does not have the villain thing down. Like, she's all kinds of bad at it. And that's really hilarious because none of us are really good at being evil. Like, that's not the root of who we are. Hmm. Who, um, what is your spirit animal? Beluga whale. It's the only animal related to the narwhal, which is the unicorn of the sea. So absolutely a beluga whale. When you envision yourself five years from now, where do you see yourself? I see myself high five and Abe Lopez. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, but I do, I see like a world where we, all are doing different ways of loving on people and doing life like presently in, in awareness, but we're all coming at it from different, um, like we're all heading the same direction. We're just in different cars. And so when we pass each other down the street or through the halls, we're high-fiving and saying like, good job, dude, that was awesome. Or we're like, good game, smacking each other's butts or whatever it is. But I see like, I see myself living in, in a place and an environment with people that are choosing that. Um, and kind of that roller coaster and the ups and downs of that. And, and so there's not like a specific visual of like, it's a tiny house with a cute little red chair in the corner. It's more of like, I'm on my porch and, and people come in and sit on the porch and then they come in and they sit at my dining table and then they come in and they come into the kitchen and they help me. So I see a place where I'm healthier, where I'm saying, let me invite you in, but also let me say, I need help in the kitchen. And I'm willing to get to a place of going, please help me in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Very, very, uh, very, very emotionally. Mm-hmm. I love, yes. love it. What what makes you feel accomplished? Um. Sorry, I'm taking. <laughs> I no I I feel accomplished when um when I get to just sit and be and, and watch people be better versions of themselves. Mm. I feel as though, um, it's not like I did that and more of, I like, I got to see you during that time. And I hope that you get to see me during that time. Like, let's do that together. Um, that feels just very like, doing that with certain friends and people here in the city. It's this sense of accomplishment of like, we did that. We made it through that year when there were certain things that were hard, but we became better versions of ourselves. And when I'm able to recognize that, and then when others are, it just feels like the best accomplishment in the world. Hmm. I I know that you love people. My 19th question is, um, who would you love to have a dinner party with? Who would you love as a guest at your dinner party? Is this someone I've never met? It could be anyone. Oh, it could be anyone. Alive, dead, friend, not a friend. Yeah. I I mean, always Brenda Davis. (laughs) Like, always. Um, Because it would be nothing but root beer floats and (laughs) um, laughter and stories and and something that's real. Hmm. I love that. For my 20th question and how I end every episode off with is what's a life lesson do you walk? What life lesson do you walk around with on the daily? I, 
I, my grandfather, my sweet Blackfoot Indian grandfather, every day when I talk to him says, Nat, someday we're going to dance on the top of the trees together. And you might tell people that and they may not understand it because you're different and because you've been set apart in a weird way where people are going to look at you and think that you're crazy, but you're not. You're real. You're deep. Don't let any of those people destroy the kid that's in you. If they destroy the kid in you, then don't spend time with them. Keep living the kid that's inside of you. Hmm. And, that is, and that is the, that is it. I mean, that is the, that is, that is the, the whole long quote that he says every time. Um, and, and I don't want to be ashamed of those things. Hmm. And I want to change my language so that I, when I say it, I mean it. The kid so wonderful. I love that. I will gladly tamp, uh, dance on top of the trees with you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I am with you. Um, so that concludes our 20 questions. Um, it was so awesome chatting with you, Thank Matt. you. Thank you. I think you're just wonderful. And I love your passion for people. I hope people can feel your energy and how much life you've lived and how much joy you've experienced and how much joy you give others. Um, and that's why I really wanted to interview you today. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and I'll come join you to dance on top of the trees. So just let me know. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, so that's all for me. And until next time, keep it real. Cheers. <laughs>